wait hi rebecca okay i think we're connected now all right all right (laughs) so good awesome so i'm gonna let you go ahead and introduce yourself okay Um, so those listening know who you are all right sounds good i am rebecca ray i am a cis uh, gender woman and uh, my pronouns are she her i am a licensed marriage and fairy hold on licensed marriage (laughs) associate i can't even get it out it's late you're fine i am also a csat candidate and i am under the supervision of david lawson lmfts and i uh, practice in the state of texas awesome well i appreciate you joining i think that it's really great to have other professionals joining our podcast uh, especially so that we can keep making those connections yep absolutely i'm super happy to be here and i am fired up about our topic yes <laughs> yes it relates so oh much my to God. what's going on <laughs> i just like i was in a bubble today i was totally in a bubble because i was in session with people and mm-hmm. i leave in my little bubble and i go home in my little bubble and then i walk in the door and i'm like the tv's on i was like what what yeah like, what is going on and I was like, well, this is very timely mm-hmm. <laughs> for mm-hmm. my discussion with AC tonight. Yeah. My goodness. Well, well especially- hello. Look at all this racism. <laughs> right. Like, my goodness. <laughs> yes. It's so blatant. Yeah. We'll mm-hmm. definitely get into that. Um, so for those that don't know, I'm AC. I am a licensed mental health therapist in the state of Seattle. Or wait, Seattle's not a state. It's a city. <laughs> in the city of Seattle. <laughs> state washington um i am an lmhca right now uh applied for my lmhc so i'm just waiting for my full licensure to go through yay woo um (laughs) so yeah um today's topic is a combination of a couple of things i think rebecca i mean we have this insight into racism you know some of your experiences with that which we'll get into um and you know my understanding is that you identify as white and so like oh, I'm, pers- I'm so white. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so white. I got jokingly referred to as Casper the Friendly Ghost oh, in no. middle school. <laughs> oh no. Um, yes. <laughs> well, I won't call you Casper during our podcast, but um, I don't care. You can. I laugh about it. <laughs> well, it's good. Like I said, it's good to have you here. Um, giving a perspective, even as a person who's not of color. I think it's really great to have that insight. Mm-hmm. Um, you were just talking about some things that happened today. Can you tell people who maybe didn't watch the news today or oh, you know, yeah, it's are behind it, on knowing? Yes, it's January sixth, and as as Trump requested, those several thousand uh, mostly white people showed up at the Capitol and rioted. Yeah. <laughs> just Mm -hmm. I'm laughing because I'm just like I'm like wow wow yeah don't even know what to make of this um Mm -hmm. and and I think what bothers me the most and this is what you and I talked about if if that had been several thousand black people how many people would be dead right now right right Mm mm-hmm and I mean yes black lives matter protesters black Yeah, sorry, you 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 cut out there on oh, me. Oh no! Um, yeah, so just say it again, just in case it wasn't in the recording. No, no worries. Um, I was saying 
Black Lives Matter protesters, we protest, mm-hmm. right? Yep. But that does not mean we protest to this caliber where we do damage and end up with one oh. person dead. Oh, today um, wasn't a protest. Today yeah. was a full-on riot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, today was a full-on riot. So to you, what's the difference between a protest and a riot? Protest, I picture people perhaps walking, singing, chanting, praying, um, uh, speaking, uh, talking about what they want to see change, showing up in large numbers to show their support. Mm-hmm. Rioting is breaking windows. It's using chemicals to harm people. Right. It's bringing in, it's bringing weapons. Mm-hmm. It's endangering other people. I mean, just having mm-hmm. that many people in the Capitol without masks on. Yeah, COVID. is a public mm-hmm. health crisis right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You bring up some good points. And it wasn't just people going to the Capitol for a cause that they believed in. It was people going to the Capitol at the expense of Trump telling them what to do. And mm-hmm. then them reacting in um, a violent manner, right? The promotion of mm-hmm. violence. And so oftentimes I think the people of color get confused with groups that do mm-hmm. do some of those things. Mm-hmm. Such as breaking things, stealing stuff, mm-hmm. looting, all whatever you want to call it. And so that mm-hmm. creates more dissonance between, you know, people of color and non-people mm-hmm. of color. Yep, absolutely. I would agree with you 100% on that. I think, uh, you know, for the most part, <laughs> my understanding is Black Lives Matter movement has been pretty peaceful. Mm-hmm. And... But you look at the way it's, it is portrayed in some places, they portray it as being very violent. And from yeah. what I can tell is it's not, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but, but what we saw today was, um, it's, it's very, it's, it's scary. It is. Yeah. And here's the thing. And I think by intentionally causing fear, right, mm-hmm. we see a group of people who support a man who is full, like you mentioned, full of racism. And mm-hmm. so then they promote racism. Mm-hmm. So not only Absolutely. Were, yeah, and not only was someone hurt, but they died and a 17-year-old mm-hmm. just passed away. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And so it affects all areas, you know, of this cycle of historical trauma Mm-hmm. that gets passed down. I mean, it goes back to that and we'll talk about that more. But I don't I definitely don't think that this happening 2 weeks before Martin Luther King Day was mm-hmm. a coincidence or sorry, was just a coincidence. No, I don't think so either. Mm-mm. I would agree with you on that. Um it's it's just it's just shocking. Yeah. I, I could just sit here and awe for the entire podcast. So we should probably move on from that. Yes. Yeah. I, I think I'm still like everybody else. You know, by yeah. the time people hear this, they're going to have a little bit of time to digest this. We haven't even had fully a, the amount of time to digest yes. Yes, what no. has happened today. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of with that in mind, while we're kind of on the topic of, you know, MLK, um, what were you taught about him? And what's something that you've kept with you about his impact or about his life? 
Oh, okay. So growing up in Texas, I'm trying to think if MLK was even covered in anything we studied mm. growing up uh, through elementary school, middle school, high school. Um, I knew it was a day that we were off school and that mm -hmm. banks were closed. Right. And I vaguely knew who he was growing up. It wasn't until I went to college and I intentionally sought out taking a course about black history mm -hmm. um, and did an entire directed study on it just because it was something that I realized really wasn't in any of our history books. Right, right. And that's where I was introduced to Martin Luther King. So it really wasn't until college until I really learned about who he was. Yeah, that's 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 hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure that that's shocking for some people to to hear. I mean, I vaguely knew who he was, but mm -hmm. didn't really understood um, what a leader he was. Yeah. Um, what a phenomenal speaker. Um, highly educated. Um, incredibly intelligent person you know the one thing that that I did know about him he cheated on his wife oh brother right right that's right. That, that's the history I got yeah you got the very downtrodden mm -hmm. one the one thing yep. you could possibly maybe do wrong mm -hmm. in the eyes of some people yep exactly exactly do you think it was intentional for you to not learn about him and his life or impact? Intentional for me to not learn? In terms of like the, the surroundings and the place that mm -hmm. you specifically grew up, was that intentional, you think? Not overtly intentional, but uh -huh. probably covertly. Gotcha. Okay. Does that make sense? Right? Yeah. It just, it wasn't a day that was important. Right. Right. Where, where I grew up, I grew up in a very small town in Texas and where I grew up, you know, all of the black people lived in one part of the town that they called the flats. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, I think it just, because of the people who control and have the power Right? It wasn't an important holiday for them or an important yeah. person for them. And so yeah. it wasn't highlighted. Does that make sense? No, it does because growing up for me, mm -hmm. my mom would read me the I Have a Dream speech from such a young age. Mm -hmm. And she made sure I knew who he was and that he was more than just a day. Um, that people make mistakes, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That one thing, and, and I learned the historical value of the truth what mm -hmm. I mean by that is you mentioned that, you know, he cheated on his wife, right? Well, what yep. was the, who helped, you know, do that? You know, the FBI mm -hmm. was involved. Like, there was all this historical stuff on mm -hmm. top of that that is worth also knowing. And so it seems like you and I both got knowledge about him, but you got it a lot farther, a lot longer down the road. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Much longer down the road. And I, I just, I honestly, I don't even really remember much about it growing up. Yeah. Which is sad. Yeah. 
and I think it's important to talk about this. We talked a little bit about what's been going on with Trump and things like that. Mm-hmm. Politics aside, um, some of the same things that we're seeing now are some of the same things that happened to him, right? Mm-hmm. That happened during his life. Absolutely. Um, the the rioting mm-hmm. and the violence, the promotion mm-hmm. of violence by the government during that time was also very prevalent. And so it's really hard as a person who is black mm-hmm. to see some of the same things I saw in like the videos that they recorded during that time. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, so so that that's really hard because that mm-hmm. is the impact that it has. That I have to help instill the change that we see or that we push for now. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, if you look back at pictures uh, from the 60s, um, it, it, it's very similar scenes as to what mm-hmm. we see now. Yeah. It's like we don't learn from our mistakes. At all. At all. It's interesting also, Rebecca, because you mentioned, you actually brought this up with something that you said. Mm -hmm. You corrected it. You didn't say that what those individuals did was protesting. You corrected it and you said, no, that is rioting. Um, In those moments where you can correct correct, (laughs) um, and actually put a definition to something, how do you define what racism is and what it looks like within your role as a mental health professional. Okay, let me think. So as my role as a mental health professional, what does, Mm -hmm. are you saying racism generally in our society? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, well, it's ugly. Mm -hmm. I can tell Mm -hmm. you that much. It is, these are beliefs and mm-hmm. values that are instilled from in people from the day they are born. Yeah. And it is communicated to us from what we see on TV, what we hear on the news, what we hear from our parents, and what we hear from our grandparents. Yeah, those messages. And the messages that we get day in and day out. It's the messages we get from our peers that are getting messages from their parents and from their grandparents and from their pastors. Yeah. And their deacons. Yep. Right? They're they're youth ministers. Mm. (laughs) Whoever else is influencing these people. And it's it's rooted in a fear. It's all rooted in fear. And it's all rooted in wanting power. Yeah. And wanting to be the most powerful. And Mm -hmm. and what I Mm -hmm. think is frightening about everything that we're seeing now... Basically, what people are saying is that you need to be white and you need to be able-bodied in order to be of value. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's you that rings to... very true to to uh, like Nazism. Mm. Yeah, um, you made me think of something that's very connected to racism, right? Xenophobia, the mm-hmm. the fear of somebody different. Mm-hmm. Or- that's different than us and that's where racism is bred from is that Mm -hmm. word um and i i think it's really hard because no matter if you're white right or you're a person of color at some point in some capacity 
you either will be around racism mm-hmm. to some capacity. It might not be happening to you directly. Oh, I was or, around a lot of racism. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about that mm-hmm. in just a second. I, I think it's important to note that just because people are white doesn't mean that they don't see racism. Right. If that makes sense. Yep. I think sometimes people think, oh, I'm white. I'm, I'm never going to experience it. And that's different. But seeing it mm-hmm. is something to to kind of think about. But how that person who's not a person of color responds to it also is kind of what where we see you know, a significant shift. And so these examples that we see, even when people are bystanders, which we'll also get into, mm-hmm. is also really hard. Yeah. You mentioned that you've been around mm-hmm. and you've experienced any racism happening around you. Mm-hmm. What was that like and what was going on? Well, you know, growing up in a small Texas town, I mean, there's a lot of racism in Texas. If you go to the Equal Justice Initiative uh, out in Montgomery, you scroll through there, there are tiles for just about every county in Texas of where lynchings have occurred. Mm. You know, in the town that I grew up in, I, I think I told you at the beginning, right? It was separated between where white people and where black people lived. Right. right? And so that in itself, what did that teach me? What did that teach me? That taught me, well, you live on the better side of town. So there's something wrong with that side of town, right? There must mm-hmm. be something wrong with those people, right? Those are the messages that you get, right? Now, when I got into middle school and into high school, in my elementary school, it was a mostly, not all, but mostly white kids. And then when you got to middle school, all the elementary schools come together. And of course you come to high school you're all still together because it was there was only one middle school and one high school. It was a small town. But I did become friends with people of color. And mm. even had a boyfriend in high school for, I don't know, probably 30 days. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Very short romance, right? Very- you had a you had a partner that you were with that was a person of color. Yes. And, and I remember a friend pulling me aside and saying, what are you doing? And I was like, Mm. I don't know. Like, we just like each other. It's not that big of a deal. (laughs) Right. People are calling you a, you know what, lover. I'm not going to say that word on this podcast because it's going to be triggering for a lot of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that's what. And people know what the word is. Yeah, people know what that is. But that's what people were calling me behind my back. And I was like, what? I thought, that's the craziest thing I have ever heard. (laughs) Um, You know, and even at the time, and I'm not, you know, and this just shows you how this is taught to us, right? So then my parents were anxious about the fact that I was in this maybe 30-day relationship (laughs) with a person of color, right? Mm and, and for them, it was anxiety provoking, right? Because they got the same messages that everybody else got. And I think that's what led me to be more curious about it. Like, what am I missing here? That's, that's what, when I got to college, I was like, what am I missing here? Like, I don't understand. I didn't understand. I didn't understand that. And that's why I went on to, to try to learn more about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It sounds like people in your life 
were more concerned about who you were dating and what race they were <laughs> than they were concerned about is this person a good person are they treating right. you right things like yep, that exactly it was more what about what what is this doing to your image yeah mm-hmm. yeah which is really sad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is sad I mean, that's often how it is, though, right? Is that, and even today, the the movie uh, Loving, I don't think think is what it's called. It's it's a movie about the first marriage between interracial people. And that is so vital and important. And because it wasn't that long ago, it was 52 years ago that it was actually legalized in all 50 Mm -hmm. states. Yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Totally so even sense. just that specific thing is bred mm-hmm. from racism. Yep. The fact that you could be arrested for mm-hmm. being married. Absolutely. It's, it, it's appalling, actually. It's absolutely appalling. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that experience because that that's something that's personal. And I'm sure a lot of people who are listening can resonate with to some capacity that, you know, even when we have people who aren't people of color around people of color it becomes a problem Mm -hmm. for those for someone for some reason Mm -hmm. and it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. you know to think that some people get that hyped up over something that they have no business control yeah no i'm again it's it's rooted in fear and fear of losing power yeah yeah right that because if you're in a a if you're in a romantic relationship with someone you know as a marriage and family therapist right i i want to help people create equality in their Mm -hmm. partnerships Mm -hmm. so if you're in a relationship with somebody you're in a partnership with somebody you know seemingly yeah. so you're going to be trying to achieve some type of equality between the partners right to have a healthy relationship mm-hmm. exactly and yep. i think that's that's scary to people it is it is mm-hmm. it's it's awful that being said some of the things that you had mentioned like the friend who was like what are you mm-hmm. doing that is an example of what we call a microaggression, yep. right? Absolutely. And that is really, really important to note because some people think that microaggressions are this concept that aren't that big of a deal. And some people describe situations of people being like too sensitive, mm-hmm. right? Instead of instead of it being exactly what it is because it describes specific kinds of remarks or questions or actions that are not only painful or insensitive but they can happen right casually frequently mm-hmm. and often without any in- any intended harm right. but they put down different groups of mm-hmm. people even on the slightest right yep. whether it's people of color and this is what we're specifically we're talking about but people who are marginalized and have to deal with that on a day-to-day basis right. and so i'm wondering is that example kind of 
solid for you or is there things that you would add to like what microaggressions are and their impact on let's say you had a person of color who was a client or you you know the the Mm. impact the lasting impact of being around them oh I think it's it's truly trauma you know I know right now we're yeah I grew up in I grow I grew up I live in Texas right uh, we have a, a large population that are from south of Texas, from Mexico, Central America. Um, they, they encounter microaggressions every single day, right? Even, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even asking somebody if their accent, right? If you can tell that they live out of the country, asking them where they're from can be a microaggression, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It would be different asking them if you're going to a a multicultural, a multi, you know, a, event where where people are being are, are representing multiple different countries or nations or whatever to say right. where are you from. But because someone's English doesn't sound like you grew up in the United States, to say where are you from becomes a microaggression. You know, and they encounter those things all of the time. And I mean, even making comments about, um, I just heard your dog, how. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> no, Sorry. you're fine. That's what makes this real. Yeah. You know, I'm yep. sure you've experienced microaggressions about your hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? A lot, mm-hmm. a lot of times, a lot of times. People asking, is that real? Is it mm-hmm. yours? Right? Yep. So, um, yeah, that's that's a lot. Yeah. Now, have I myself experienced microaggressions? No, not not particularly, mm-hmm. except that one. But even that, it didn't really feel like it was towards me, right? Because what mm-hmm. I realized, this was really an insult on the other person. And I right. think that's what bothered me so much about it. Like, this isn't even an insult to me. This is an insult to the other person. Right. And I was right. like, wow, that's sneaky. <laughs> it is. It is, though, because it's so on point. And I, I don't know if you know who Chester M. Pierce is. But back in the 70s, he was a professor at Harvard University where he coined the term microaggression. And he basically said that those racial assaults that he witnessed against black people were were assaults against black dignity, Mm -hmm. black Mm -hmm. hope, and he called them gross. Mm -hmm. And one thing that stood out to me is that he says that it's a major vehicle for racism in Mm -hmm. in this country. Um, where offenses done by whites are the things that lead to racial interactions that are characterized mm-hmm. by white put-downs. Yep. Absolutely. And, and and that just describes mm-hmm. it right there. You know, this cycle of right. things. Well, and it, it... And even, I mean, just look at our prison system. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. It yep. is. It's. And I mean, yeah. Most people incarcerated are mm-hmm. black. Absolutely. 
I don't, well, I don't um, even know if you know this about me. I worked uh, at a juvenile detention center right after I graduated from mm. college. I taught theater and creative art there. It was like a pilot program that they put in. Um, I was only there for about six months, but every single one of those kids had experienced trauma. Mm-hmm. And there weren't very many white kids. There were a few. Not very many. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mass incarceration is such a big thing. And the U.S. has nearly 25%, holds 25% of mm-hmm. the world's uh, prison population. Yeah. And so the fact that it's increased by 700% mm-hmm. today. And the fact that like one out of three black boys born yep. today are going to yep. go to prison and one out of six Latinos compared to one out of 17 mm-hmm. white men or white boys. That's, that's just boggling. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Boggling. It is mind boggling, you know, because they're not necessarily doing anything different. It's, right. it's based right. on the color of their skin and where they live. Yeah, it's, per- exactly. it's perceived yep. and it's per- as being more dangerous. Yeah, and it's, it, I mean, this goes back to, you know, things like the distribution of drugs and things like that within mm-hmm. those communities, you know what I'm saying? Purposely meant to be placed. And I mean, this goes back a long time. I'm not going to get too much in that conversation, but these are all parts of the same system of racism and separation mm-hmm. and hate. And I think that's what's so disturbing about what we saw today. It was, yeah. it was hate that was not going to leave because it believes so strongly mm-hmm. in what it has to say and that right. it is right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it leads to things like that happened today. But so many other people, like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, that if people were people of color were to do exactly what we've done today, it wouldn't have reacted no. the same way. The police no. would have been involved, I, I, right? I haven't looked. How many people were there today? It was several thousand, right? Okay. Can right. you imagine right. if several thousand black people had congregated in the mall area, moved the capital? They probably would have right. had the entire National Guard there by 9 a.m. this morning. Faster. <laughs> yep. Way faster. But Way they were but, but 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 that tells you what the messages are, right? Because they sat back mm-hmm. and said, oh well mm-hmm. they're not gonna do anything. They're not yeah. gonna do anything. Yeah. Right. Well and this kind of ties into a bigger conversation that has hit right it hit all of 2020. Um, so I'm gonna read you a statistic. And I know that I sent, I, I gave you the resource, but I didn't pull, I didn't tell you what specific statistics okay. I was going to pull. So I know this is, you're kind of responding to this sure. in real time. Um, but if I said, if I told you or you heard this statistic, I'm just curious about your thoughts and kind of how mm-hmm. it makes you feel. Um, so in 2020, black people were 28% of those killed by police mm-hmm. in 2020. Despite being only 13% of the population. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So that doesn't surprise yes. you. Okay. 
And in 2020, there was only 18 days in the whole year where police did not kill someone. I believe that. Like, it's not shock. It's not shocking to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's sad, yeah. but it's not shocking. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so these these things don't shock you. Can you kind of explain why they don't shock you? I think because it's it's just having an understanding of how sick the system is. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? And knowing what messages that I've grown up with. Yeah. That I know all of these other people have grown up with. And yeah. we really didn't start really talking about it mm-hmm. until this year. Right. Right. Right? Not really publicly talking about it. And I think that's one of the reasons that this group today, right, feels so threatened. Mm-hmm. Right? People are actually talking about this, bringing it to light, not staying quiet about it, and demanding change. Yeah. Demanding something different. Right. Because truly, I should be shocked by those statistics. Mm-hmm. I should be, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. Because... I stay sort of relevant on current events, right. although I'm not a news junkie, I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's scary even more because black people are most likely to be killed by police. I think people kind of get that by now. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they understand that not only are they most likely to be killed by police, they're three times more likely to be killed by police than mm-hmm. white people. Yep. And they're they're 1.3 times more likely to be unarmed compared to white people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe that. I know all sorts of white people that have guns. Yeah. I personally do not. We do not have any guns in our home. But I know. I mean, I live in Texas. There's lots mm-hmm. of people that have guns. Mm-hmm. Lots of white people with guns. Now, I mean, I'll say I had an incident and I and I was aware of this. So I was driving and it was barricaded, but it's the house where our street is. Right. So you can drive on it to get to your house. Mm -hmm. But a police officer saw me drive past the barricade, followed me. Mm -hmm. I wasn't too worried about it. I keep driving. He turns his lights on. I'm basically at my house at this point. I pull into my driveway. Mm -hmm. I open up my car door. My three children get out of the car. I get out of the car. Oh, hey, sir. He says, oh, is this your house? Yeah, it is. Okay, just checking because people aren't supposed to be driving on this road. Have a good day. Mm. And I thought, I just got to exercise my privilege here. Right, right. What what privilege are you talking about? Oh, just being white and being mm-hmm. assumed that I don't have a weapon, that yeah. I don't have malintention that this really might be my house, mm-hmm. that I'm actually supposed to be here, that it's truly possible that I could be driving that car and could live in this house, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If I had been a person of color, I don't think it would have gone that way. Yeah, yep, you're exactly right. And I mean- uh... I probably would have stayed in my car mm-hmm. and waited because I knew if I got out of the car, if I were a person of color, I was probably putting my life at risk. Yeah. It sounds like it It wasn't that... It's not... It sounds like you're not saying that just because of that experience as a white person, 
you're better off than a person of color. You're, it sounds no. like what you're saying is. I hope if that's you... not what I sound like. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's no. Not I'm, what I'm I didn't take it to... that way. I I hear you saying that you know, given what's been going on between police violence mm-hmm. and police brutality, that being a person of color puts you at risk for more likely police violence. And mm-hmm. I'm hearing you say you probably would have done things differently, like stay in your car mm-hmm. in this situation. Yep. When police drive by me, I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure you scared are. to my wit's end about mm-hmm. what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Does that mean I think all police officers are bad people? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. My uncle my uncle serves mm-hmm. as a police officer. Does does that mean that I I can't have anxiety? Absolutely not, because we've seen you know, through the media and through mm-hmm. encounters, there's been a lot of instances where we weren't armed or somebody broke into our house, mm-hmm. mistaken us for somebody else yep. or mistaken, you know, or gave us directions where we're trying to comply and we're shot mm-hmm. or, or we're shot and paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Like what just happened recently. And so it, it's a scary time to be not only a person of color, but it's a scary time to be black Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to hear that police have killed black people at higher rates than white Absolutely. people. Absolutely. And the fact that where you live also matters is scary. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned in Texas, you live in Texas. Mm-hmm. I live in Washington. And I'm sure there's differences in how police violence changes over time in those two areas. But it doesn't mean, chances are that in in your cities police violence has did decrease but in suburban and rural areas we see mm-hmm. that research says no matter locationally chances are that in those areas it's probably increased yeah and and that's that's hard mm-hmm. that is hard because there's there's absolutely no excuse for it no there's no excuse and there's no reason Mm-hmm. And here's mm-hmm. the thing is people always say, well, there must be more to that story. Right. Right. Well, that cop wouldn't have done that. Right. Mm-hmm. Unless something would have happened. But as these stories are uncovering, what we're finding out is that's not the case. Right. And there's no accountability. 98.3% of killings by police from 2013 to 2020 have not resulted in anything. Yep. Uh, the police officers just go about their business and that's mm-hmm. it. And I think some people listening might be wondering why we're talking about this and why we've talked about these different topics and why they're important. What would you say to them? Because to put it in a nutshell, people need white people need to shut up and listen. Right. I know mm-hmm. that I'm a white person and I'm on here and I'm talking, but I'm I'm trying to talk about these experiences in a way that sheds light on a real problem. Mm-hmm. And we all need to listen and we all need to sit back and we need to learn. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that that is that is hard. That is super super hard. 
But I think this conversation, these tough discussions are worth more than just a holiday. Oh, absolutely. And we have to have these conversations, right? Because this is where the change is going to happen. Because there are going to be people that come and listen to your podcast and go, well, I'm a white person. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, well, I didn't, you know, maybe they're going to go look up those statistics. Maybe they're going to think about their own life and their own privilege and, and think about what they can do to make a change. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that just because there's been so much mass destruction within people of color's community, mm-hmm. whether that is on a mental scale, physical scale, emo- uh, emotional, right? Yeah. The mental health of people of color is important and worth validating and talking about. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just so excited that there are places like... Uh, melanated mental health and yep, yep. Uh, inclusive therapists and you told yeah. me about another one. Oh, uh, therapy therapy for black girls black girls yep. and then yeah and black girls therapy mm-hmm. there's one of each yep black girls rock is another one mm-hmm. um, yeah there's tons of organizations and people doing good in the name of trying to help people of color yeah because um, I think there's Overall, I think there's been a a lack of trust Mm -hmm. between Mm -hmm. the mental health community and communities where there are people of color, right? Because traditionally, therapists have been white, right? Yeah, for a long time. I think about all the people that I studied in my MFT program. Majority of them were white. Right, right. Yep. You're right. You know, and, and a majority of the research mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was done on white people. So right. that in itself mm-hmm. <laughs> is racist. <laughs> it is. Well, especially since, I mean, I think they're Sue. Sue is the only one I learned of that was a person of color. Harry who... Aponte. Okay, see, I didn't know. I didn't learn about Harry Aponte. Mm-hmm. Um but it's good to know that there's other people out there mm-hmm. of color that made contributions. <sighs> but I think having a clear idea of this process is what is going to allow us to work together as efficiently as possible when we have these conversations, even though they might seem painful to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this hasn't been painful. I mean, painful in mm-hmm. the way that it's, it's disturbing. Right, that we yeah, have to have this conversation, but talking mm-hmm. to you was not painful. Does that make sense? Well, that's good. No, yeah, that is. I just meant in terms of like revisiting these things and how they happen. Yes. You know what I'm saying? There's pain mm-hmm. in 300 and something years of slavery mm-hmm. and racism and, like I said, historical trauma, which is the passing of trauma to the next generation of those that are connected to the to the original people who endured it Mm -hmm. right absolutely well and we still I mean we see the same thing happening Mm -hmm. right it's just Mm -hmm. it's not outright slavery right right but like we said we talked about the mass incarceration that's happening in our country right now Mm -hmm. so as a white person and maybe this question sounds weird, but it's important. Oh, just ask it. And you're white. <laughs> <laughs> what, 
what can white people do to be better? Not just in terms of racism, but if they're trying to use the term ally, what can they what can what can they do? Okay. Well, I think it's super helpful to follow start following people of color on your social media. Right? Start mm, exposing mm-hmm. yourself to other cultures, yeah. other races. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you just sit in your own if you just sit in your own, you're never going to learn about anybody else, right? right. Listen to what mm-hmm. they have to say. Interact with them, right? Listen to, listen to this podcast. Listen to other podcasts, right? Yeah. Start to watch the news with a critical eye. Start to watch mm-hmm. your television shows with a critical eye, right? Mm-hmm. Start to look. Mm-hmm. Where do you see people of color represented in the media? Where do you see Ooh, people yeah. of color represented in in who's who's giving you the news every night how many people of color are represented in um really anything you watch on television right besides football or basketball and i'm talking about the the specifically specifically the players Mm -hmm. but but Mm -hmm. go above into the management how many people of color do you see there and just start to look around in the places of power and see how many people of color do you see there? Well, if you don't see very many, then there's a reason. It's not because you're white and you're smarter. It's because you're white and you have more privilege. And just automatically by having that certain skin color, you're, you're going to have an easier life, mm-hmm. right? And so we need to start asking questions of, well, why is it like that? <laughs> right mm-hmm. and understanding mm-hmm. why that is so that we don't continue to support businesses that are owned by people mm-hmm. of color right mm-hmm. i go i go to the vet that i go to one of the reasons is because all three of the owners are black mm-hmm. right because i want to support right because i do want to support i do try to support when i can um, they're also very good vets, too, by the way. <laughs> well, that's good to know. It's not just because of... It's not just because they're black. No, it's because... but it's an example of how, as mm-hmm. a white person, I can choose where I'm putting my money. Right? I can say yeah. they're conveniently located to me. They're excellent at what they do. And I'm supporting a business. Right. Yep. Yep, that supports our community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so vital. I don't know. So, so vital. No, th- that's great. Thank you for that insight. I think that you've given a lot of good insight um, in our conversation. Uh, there's more conversations to be had. The work is not done oh, yet. No, but it's just not. giving that insight. Yeah. Given your insight, I, I've been so grateful for you being here. Oh, thank you. Um, today and sharing your heart and your your experiences and just a little bit into your world. I'm glad that people get to know who you oh, are. Oh, thank you. Um, oh, I thought of one more thing. All the white people fine. need go to go and do. Go to do Montgomery, Alabama and go to the Equal Justice Initiative. Oh, yep. Yep. Go. Walk through Go. That. Walk through that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I agree. That's a powerful, powerful thing to experience as well. So, 
Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you again. Well, thank you for having um, me. Of course, of course. I hope that we get to have you um, on here soon. Yeah. Again. Um, and I, I look forward that. to. Yeah, me too. I look forward to talking with you in the future. Absolutely. Well, take care of yourself and enjoy you the rest of your week. You too. Take care. Yeah, you too. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Bye.